Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Scenario. Your spouse wants out of your marriage, but you don't. And in the process of trying to end the marriage, your spouse is trying to do things that you want no part of. For example, maybe he or she is spending time with the lover while still living at home. Or perhaps he or she's demanding things from you that you don't want to give. Things like finances or custody of the children, selling your home, any other things that may be demanding of you. Your friends and your family want you to punish your spouse for such terrible behavior and such arrogantly selfish demands. And if you have an attorney, your attorney's probably counseling you to go for everything you can get. And your own hurt and anger tempt you to make this divorce the most miserable experience your spouse could ever have. But your spouse says you're selfish. That you're standing strong for your marriage is just another example of you trying to control him or her and that everything you're doing is definitive proof that he or she just can't live with you and that divorce is the best thing that can happen. So you find yourself worrying about whether you should give in to most of your spouse's demands. You wonder if you're standing strong and fighting for your marriage is building such anger and resentment in your spouse that there'll never be a chance for reconciliation. You even have doubts about your own motives and fear that maybe your spouse is right and that you are a mean, selfish person and that the way you're standing strong actually proves that to be true. Well, would you like to know? Really? Really know? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Radio. And tonight we're going to be talking about that very subject. We've done many programs on control and you, if you have heard any of those, know then I'm actually against control. <laughs> we talk about the fact that if you try to control your spouse, you actually act like his or her parent and you treat him or her as if that person is a child. And that when you try to control and dominate other people, you typically run them away. And yet here I am on other programs. If you've listened to many of these programs saying things such as, well, if your spouse is insisting on a divorce, I suggest that you definitely get an attorney to represent you and that you have your attorney, attorney fight strongly for you. As a matter of fact, make as many negative consequences as possible for your spouse, not from vengeance, but so, as he, so that he or she will begin to understand the full consequences of his or her behavior. So are those things then contradictory? Hey, Dr. Beam says we should not be controlling, and then he turns right around and tells us how to control our spouse. All right, let's talk about it just for a minute or two. We'll take some calls, just a few minutes, but let me see if I can explain this as we get started. You understand that control typically is a bad thing. Now, on some previous programs, we've talked about some of the different motivations that lead people to try to control another. I actually came up with the acronym FAR, F-A-R, indicating that if you try to control people, you'll push them far away from you. Now, the F stands for fear. Many people are motivated to control the spouse because they're afraid. They're afraid of what the spouse is going to do to hurt them or what the spouse is going to do to hurt themselves or somebody else. That's the F part, fear. The A is what I call arrogance, and that's when people are motivated to control because they just think they're smarter. I'm smarter than you. Therefore, I make better decisions than you do. Therefore, I need to control what happens here. Or they're just selfish. Like, I want my way, period. No matter if I'm smart or not, I want things to be done the way I want them to do, to be done. And then the R is rigidity, which means that people live by such stringent rules that they're going to make you live by the same rules. It could be rules they've grown up with. It could be rules they have made themselves. It could even be rules from their own religion that you do not subscribe to. Now, if you're listening to me, you might be saying, well, but aren't those the same kinds of things that would motivate a person to do the kinds of things you talk about to stand for a marriage? All right, let's see if I can give the answer now. I will make it clear here that what I have said before, I still believe. And as a matter of fact, if you wish to explain to me why I'm wrong, I'm very happy to listen I do keep my mind open because I realize I don't know everything. And sometimes people actually do bring up things to make me realize, wait a minute, there's something I didn't think about. Let's consider that. But until somebody does, this is what I recommend. 
obviously you make your own decisions. You have to decide what you do for your life. I don't want to control you. I just want to share with you what I've learned and then you apply to your own lives. But here's what I believe. If your spouse is wanting out of the marriage and you want to save the marriage, then you stand for the marriage and you fight for the marriage. And in doing that, sometimes you will do behaviors that your spouse will see as controlling. For example, many years ago, I divorced my wife, Alice. That was back in the year 1984. So it's been a long time ago. When I divorced Alice, I was actually leaving her because I was wanting to be with this other person I had fallen, quote, madly in love with, end quote. And I was going to be happy with her and in the marriage with Alice. And so I came to Alice with how everything was going to be. I had already lost my position, my job, my career because of uh, my adulterous affair. And so I decided, okay, I'm not going to lose anything else. And so I came to Alice and said, this is the way we're going to handle the money. And this is what's going to happen with the house that we own together. And, and this is what I'm going to do about this and what I'm going to do about that. This is how we're going to do the child custody, all those kinds of things. And I'll never forget Alice <laughs> taking me in to see her attorney, who was just mean. As a matter of fact, he looked at me and he let me know the things I wanted were not going to happen and that he was going to protect his client, my wife that I was divorcing, and make sure that she got everything she needed. Now, when that happened, I became extremely angry. I was angry with that attorney, as you might imagine, but I was angrier at Alice. How dare you bring somebody like that in? I mean, I was really, really mad. And so sometimes people say, well, then that's just proof that if you actually get the attorney and you stand up for yourselves and you start doing things the other person doesn't want you to do, if you don't go along with whatever it is he or she wants to have happen, then you're driving them further away. And the answer to that is, yes, maybe temporarily. What I mean by that is this. She did that, and it did push me further away from her, but I was already bound to determine I was going to leave Alice anyway. I already had in my mind what the future was going to be, and the reason that this made me so angry was because of the fact that it was interfering with my plans to do what I wanted to do and get things I wanted to get done and have the money I wanted to have, and et cetera. Did it push me further away from Alice? Well, in one sense, it did, in the sense that I got angrier, but if you think about it in terms of true reality... No, I had already made my decision to leave her. I was in process of divorcing her. It didn't make me want to do that. I already wanted to do that. It just resolved myself, or I resolved in myself to make sure it was going to happen. But if you think about it, I'd really already done that anyway. So did Alice do the right thing to have her attorney make those kind of demands and say these things aren't going to happen? I'm here to tell you that, yes, she did. Now, let's go beyond us to some other experiences, and I'm going to wrap this up and make it make sense. I do believe, if you'll sit with me another few minutes, sometimes we have people, as a matter of fact, I hear this one quite often, who say my husband or my wife is involved with another person, but he, my husband or my, or my wife, he or she is still living in my home. Most of the time, they've either moved down to the sofa, they've moved into another bedroom, or sometimes into the basement, but sometimes... Sometimes they're actually still sleeping in the same bed, although typically they're not having sex. And so they say to me, should I allow my husband to continue to live here when he is still talking to that other woman and he disappears for hours at a time and I know that he's with her? Should I let my wife stay here in this house or should I kick her out when I know she's still involved with the other guy? And so if I do... My spouse is telling me the only reason that he or she is still here now is because it'll be such a financial catastrophe if he or she has to move out and get an apartment at this point. And so they're staying here for financial reasons. And when I tell them, I don't think you can live here anymore. If you're going to still be involved with him or her, I can't take it. Don't live here. They're saying, see there, you're just controlling. You've always been controlling. You always have been controlling. I can't live with somebody like you. This is just more proof that we definitely need to divorce. Now, I can give you a ton of scenarios. They don't always involve another person. The two I've given so far does involve the spouse being involved with somebody else, but it can be other things as well. There can be any number of reasons the spouse wants to leave and wants to get his or her way. And then when you, the person who wants to save the marriage, says, I want to do the things that will save my marriage, but there's certain behavior I can't tolerate. I can't tolerate my husband's living in my house and leaving to go on dates with his lover. 
I can't tolerate my wife still being here when I know she's talking to him every day. And every time she gets a chance, she goes to meet him somewhere. Okay. Is it controlling then if you say to that husband or wife, either cut it out, stop that interaction with the other person, or you're going to have to leave here. And if you say, well, I don't have to leave here because it's my house, then understand this. I will get an attorney. I will file for divorce and I'll make sure that we do everything legal to make sure you leave this house. Is that then controlling your spouse? The answer is yes, but it's different than the other kind of control that I often talk about. Now, here's what I'm going to try to explain it. You see, when people are in a marriage that is not yet in the crisis point where one of them wants out, I mean, it may be that the marriage is not great. It may be that it's even in a mess, but they're still living together and, and neither one's trying to leave or trying to divorce. When people do the kind of controlling behaviors in that particular environment, like, okay, I'm afraid you might leave me. So therefore I'm going to tell you who you can and cannot be around. You can't go to lunch with any other person of the other gender, because that makes me think you might leave me. If you're say you're going to the grocery store, I'm going to drive by 10 minutes later to make sure you really have. So I'm going to control where you go. I'm going to control who you spend time with. I will control the money so that there's things that you cannot do. I'll control you in any way that I can. A person in a situation like that, that kind of control is definitely going to lead to a destruction of the marriage. If not today, then tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, then maybe next week or next year. But nobody, nobody's going to live in that kind of control forever. But it's a different situation. It's a different situation if one of you is already in the process of trying to end the marriage. Hey, I'm in love with this other woman. I'm going to live here for financial reasons, but I'm going to be going out and being with her. That's a totally different thing altogether. Now, you see, sometimes in life, it makes sense that we control another person. It does not make sense to control another person when he or she is an adult and has rights and privileges and that I try to control him or her in a way that dominates our relationship. That's never going to work. That's never right because that person then wants to get away from me. But think about it. If you have a child, a small child, is it, is it valid and correct to control what a small child does? And you say, well, sure it is. Why? Because I'm now protecting the child from his own uh, immaturity, making poor decisions. I mean, if I let the little kid do whatever he wants to, he's three years old, he'll play in the front yard. The next thing I know, he'll be out in the highway and some truck will hit him. I, no, I'm not going to let that happen. I'll control him. He can't go out in the front yard unless an adult is with him. And we look at that and say, well, that kind of control makes sense. That's not dominating another person. That's doing what's best for the other person. The kind of control that destroys a relationship is when I just want my way, either because of my fear or my arrogance or the rigidity, the rules that I have. And I'm going to control you because of those things. And I'm dominating you. That's always bad. I've said it already. I've made it clear. But if the other person is doing things that someone needs to be protected from, then it does make sense to control. You say, what do you mean? Well, think about it this way. A gentleman told me that his wife, who had already abandoned him, she'd actually moved in an apartment down the street, was drinking pretty heavily. And the other day when he saw her with the kids and, and walked over to talk to her, he could smell the alcohol on her breath. And she'd been driving with the kids in the car and she'd been drinking. He said to me, well, I can't do anything about that because she says she's an adult and she has a right to drink. And I'll just be dominating and controlling her if I try to do something about that, to which I replied, your children need protection. And so, yes, if you tell her, if that happens one more time, I'm going to the authorities. I'm going to talk to the people about the protection of our children. They're not going to be living with you because they're certainly not going to be in a car with you driving around while you're drunk. And whatever the judge needs to do or the DCS or whoever they are needs to do, I'm going to make that happen to make sure that you don't do that anymore. Will that person see that as controlling? Yes. But in that case, you're not trying to control the situation because you just want your way. In that particular situation, you are controlling, you are trying to control matters because you're trying to protect your children. Now, the same kind of thing can happen when it comes to finances. We often hear people say things like, my husband is actually eating up our savings like crazy while he's involved with this other woman. He gives me a little bit of money, but we have not yet been to court and there's no alimony and child support yet established. And when my attorney says, we're going to ask for a blank, my husband calls me in a rage, screaming and yelling, 
See, I always knew that you were that selfish, money-hungry, evil person, and you're just proving it now. This is all about money for you. You don't care about anything other than that. But my attorney and I both know that I need a certain amount of money for my children and for me so that we can live and function without being in poverty. If you demand that and your attorney goes to court to make sure that you get that much money, is that in at least a sense controlling what your husband does? The answer is yes. But that control is not because of the fact that you're trying to dominate him or her. That's because you're trying to protect yourself and protect your children. And so while the actions themselves may still wind up to some degree controlling the behavior of the other person, it's the motive that you have that changes everything here. And that motive makes it not only acceptable, but sometimes you absolutely have to do it if you're going to make sure that you and your kids or other situations are going to be taken care of. Now, when your husband or your wife in that situation starts yelling at you, saying you just want all the money, you're trying to make my life miserable, I'm going to have nothing left, etc., all those kinds of things they say, why are they yelling at you? Well, it's because they're not getting their way. They're not like I back in 84 when I was divorcing Alice. I wasn't getting my way. There were things trying to stop me from doing what I wanted to do, and I was furious about it. Yet at the same time, Alice made sure that she and our children had what they needed and that I couldn't just run over her and do whatever it was I wanted to do. She was not going to be my doormat. Did I see it as controlling? Yes. But what was Alice's motives? Alice's motives were to protect her and the children. Therefore, even though I would see it and claim it as being evil and terrible control, any objective third party could look at it and see, no, Alice is just doing what she needs to do. It's the right thing for her to do for her and for her situation. And in that case, also because we had children for her children. Therefore, it's not something evil and mean. It's something that must be done. And even if you, the spouse, think that is controlling and hate that it's happening to you, it's still the right thing for your spouse to do, no matter how much you yell and scream about it being controlling because it's the right thing to do. Now, at this point, though, sometimes, sometimes you <laughs> will actually start questioning your own motives. Now, let's go back and talk about the money, just for example. If you're demanding X, whatever X is, and your spouse is yelling bloody murder, saying you're taking all the money, I'm not going to have anything left to do with what I need to do, there's going to be some part of you that's going to start thinking, yeah, that's right. You know, I really don't want you to have any money. I don't want you to have the freedom to do all the things you want to do. And there's a part of me that is so hurt by what you're doing that I do want to hurt you back. Now, if you feel that occasionally, don't think that means that all of your motive is selfish or mean or bad. Most motives are never absolutely pure. What I mean by that is motives have a lot of things mixed in. And so if there's a little piece of you that wants to hurt your spouse, okay, you're human. If there's a little piece of you that wants to make sure that he or she's miserable, okay, you're human. If you let that be your primary motivation, if that's truly what's driving you, then I suggest that you don't do the things your spouse is claiming that are controlling things. Because if the main motivation within you, if within you, you know that what's really happening is I really am angry with you and I'm going to do everything I can to bring as much misery into your life as I possibly can. And that's my motive. I strongly suggest that you don't do that because not only is it probably not going to accomplish any good with your spouse, it's definitely going to do damage to you. It's going to hurt your heart. It's going to hurt your soul. It's going to hurt your character, your integrity. Because when you do things that are driven by those primary motives, it is you alive inside. But if your motive primarily is, I need to protect myself, I need to protect my children, I need to do what's right here, and you have a little bit mixed in where it's like, okay, but I do admit some of my motives are a little bit selfish here. Don't let that stop you because, as I said, and I'm now repeating, motives usually have mixed things. It's not just all one thing motivating you. There's some of the things involved. So what you do is you examine your heart and see if your primary motive is to protect. Now, there's one other thing besides protect that also, in my opinion, 
makes it a good enough motive that if you do something that your spouse claims is controlling, it's still the right thing to do. And that is consequence. So remember what I've said too far so far. One good motive for doing things that your spouse will feel is controlling is because you're trying to protect yourself or protect your children. Another motive is to bring about consequences. If you have read much of what I have written, when people uh, write in to ask me questions, sometimes I'll blog about it. Sometimes I'll respond in, in uh, groups on Facebook like Save My Marriage, which is a, a group on Facebook that you have to apply to become a member of. And there's about 3,000 people in that group. And sometimes people will ask me questions about this and that and the other. And I often have written, and so let me go ahead and say it here so you know what I'm thinking. Make it as tough as possible on your spouse when he or she proceeds with a divorce. Tell your attorney that. My, tell your attorney my desire is not for vengeance. I don't want to do anything out of a bad heart, a mean heart, an arrogant heart. But I do want to create as many negative consequences as possible for my spouse, not because I'm trying to punish or take vengeance, but because I want him or her to realize as soon as possible all the bad things are going to come if he or she continues down this pathway. Let's see if I can say that a different way. Why is it that uh, people will continue behavior that they know ultimately is destructive? They often do it because the destruction is not immediate. Think about it this way. If, if you ate a donut, now I love donuts, so I'm not picking on donuts, okay? But if you ate a donut, uh, which is basically fried sugar, and let's say it's one of the kinds that has trans fat in it and like the old Krispy Kremes back in the day. And you eat that, you, you know in one part of you that if I make a diet of this, you know, drinking these donuts and swallowing down 32 ounces of a big gulp right behind it, that this is ultimately going to be bad for me. But because the consequence is not immediate, because it's not happening right now, even though you'll tell yourself, I know it's a bad thing, I'll fix this later, I'll start my diet tomorrow, I'll quit doing this next week. But what would happen if you ate that one trans fat fried sugar donut and the second you did, the button popped off your jeans and you had to loosen your belt and your zipper pulled apart and wouldn't go back together because you've so stretched your pants that it instantly had that, that effect. How quickly would you quit eating donuts? Because even if you got bigger pants, the next one you eat, boom, the same thing happens again. The sooner the consequence occurs, the better likelihood it has of deterring behavior. If, for example, a person drinks a great deal of alcohol for many years, he or she knows that there is a possibility that will lead to cirrhosis of the liver, which can ultimately kill them. But let's say after your first drink, I mean, you pick up a bottle of Jim Beam and pour yourself a good straw one, and no, I'm not related to Jim Beam. But if you take one of those and take that swallow and instantly you felt a pain in your lower right abdomen so badly that the next day, or maybe even that same night, you wind up in the emergency room saying, hey, that, this is killing me. What is it? And, and the, the physician begins to feel around on that lower right abdomen of yours and says, I can feel the edges of your liver and it is no longer soft. It is hard. You have the beginnings of cirrhosis of the liver. In other words, the sooner the negative consequence comes, the greater likelihood it has of stopping you from doing things that are not good for you. So let's say your husband then, it could be a wife, but I'll just use a husband in this illustration, is wanting not to give you very much money, wants to continue to have all as much money as he can to do the things he wants to do. By having your attorney go ahead and file the legality so that you get the proper amount of money for alimony or child support or whatever, that your, your, your spouse can no longer raid the savings accounts, that you stand up and say, I won't sell the house on your time schedule just so you have more money. Does that then help him or her more quickly realize the consequence of the decisions they're making? The answer is yes, much more quickly than it will if you just let it go on and on and on until one day, a great deal of the savings are gone and you think, man, I wish I'd have done something. Oh, and by the way, by then they're running out of money too, because they've been spending it on this other person or spending it on that lifestyle that they're living, whether it involves another person or not, they're drinking or drugging or whatever it might be. The sooner you make the negative consequence, the greater likelihood of keeping them from going all the way down to the end when they hit 
absolute bottom. If you've ever studied anything about intervention for somebody who's abusing drugs, for example, or abusing alcohol or any of those kind of intervention things, you know that you can either let people hit their own bottom, which is usually terrible, or you can create a bottom for them that's bad for them, but not nearly as bad as it would have been if they actually got to the bottom, they were headed toward themselves. Now, let me summarize all this back up and we'll start taking calls. What did you say, Joe? If you control people in a relationship where you're together and nobody's trying to leave and you're doing it either because you're afraid that the other person's going to hurt you or you're arrogantly thinking you know better and things should just go your way or it's your rigid rules that you're making the other person live by even if they don't accept them, those kinds of controlling behaviors will destroy a relationship. But if the person is already trying to leave you, they're already involved with somebody else emotionally or physically, they, they already are much into the alcohol to the point where they don't want to continue the marriage anymore or whatever else. If you have a motive of, I've got to bring about some consequences so that he or she will realize sooner than later where this is all going to lead to and all the bad things are going to happen, not thinking that's a good motive to do things that the other person will likely see as controlling, but you're doing it for the right reason. Or if you need to do that same kind of con so-called controlling behavior to protect yourself or your children or your assets, I see those as good motives. Now, if you're thinking, but <laughs> they're going to have the same negative reaction, even if your motives are good. You're probably right. Most of the time they do. But try not to think about the short-term consequence. What you really want to consider is the long-term consequence. And so when Alice did all those things to me that I felt were controlling when I was in the process of divorcing her back in 1984, the short-term consequence was I didn't like it at all and I didn't like her at all. But it really didn't make things any worse than they were. They were already so bad that even though I railed and screamed and yelled at her that she was making things worse, changing my view of her, making me not like her even more, convincing me more that I shouldn't be with her. Yeah, I said all those things. But in actuality, looking at it from this angle, from this time frame, no, it didn't. I'd already decided all those things already. And while I yelled and screamed and probably at the time was thinking, yeah, she's making it worse, it really wasn't any worse. And in the long term, when finally I did come to my senses, and it was three years later, when I called Alice back and said, would you consider the possibility of taking me back? One of the factors was the fact that I had grown to respect her a whole lot more because she didn't let me run over. And she did those things that I felt were controlling back when she was first doing them, when I was really angry. But she did it because she was not being a, a doormat. Now, if she had done it for vengeance, if she had done it for meanness, if those had been her motives, I don't know if I'd ever have come back to her because I would have viewed her as just this mean, terrible, vindictive person. But over time, I saw that her motives really were that she was trying to protect herself and our children, and that she was making me face the consequences of my behavior, not out of vengeance, but actually in an effort to try to help me. When I finally got past the short term and looked back at that, it made me respect her more. So are you hearing the answers here? Yes, it actually may be controlling. But if the motives are the right motives, then you need to control anyway. And in the short term, it can create more disturbances. But in the long term, it actually can lead to a situation that can help you put your marriage back together. Now I'll end with what I should have started with, although I did mention it once, I need to make sure I end with it clearly. I am not telling you what to do. You must make your own decisions. I don't know every nuance and situation of your life. You do. I don't. I don't have to live with the consequences of whatever you decide or do. You do. So take the principles that I've been teaching, and then you apply them to your own life, because it's ultimately your decision. So let's see if anybody's uh, got any questions or comments about this. We have several callers out here waiting on us. We'll go to the first caller right now, and that caller is area code 915. Hello, 915. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. How are Hi, you? Joe. Can you hear me? Can you so? Yes, so sir. far. Yes, give me a first name, please. Uh, my name is Zan. I'm sorry, Hello? I didn't catch it. Any, yeah, any first name will do, just the first name to call you back. Adan, A-D-A-N. Oh, yeah. Okay, Adan, I know you. How can I help you this evening? 
Okay. Uh, dealing with a subject, which I'm really glad you brought up. Um, if your spouse is in the valley and you're trying to kind of not coerce them, but just to do the right things with your pies, to mm-hmm. kind of get them to turn the tables in your favor, if your motives are, I think, I feel my motives are genuine, you know, to save my marriage and to uh, restore my family. And also because I love my wife. Mm-hmm. Um Despite this affair, is it controlling for me to kind of try and tip the scales in my favor in, in, in terms of how do I get her out of that valley? And what's that fine line where it's where it becomes controlling rather than just because I feel like if I just let things sit, it's actually not working in my favor. And I'm trying to do the right things and do my pies. And I pick okay. the one that would help me the most, the emotional one. Mm-hmm. And um, and by staying back, it kind of feels like I'm not helping the situation, and I right. feel like I'm being controlled. Uh, yeah, and and you may be. Let's explain for for the rest of those folks listening what we mean when we talk about being in the valley. I talk about the valley when a person is in a situation where that he or she, and in this case it would be the wife, so is she, is in a situation mm-hmm. where she has a, a, a enough relationship with her husband that she has some comfort in that, some peace in that at least, and also, in your case, a relationship with another person, a lover. And the valley is what I call it when a person is in a situation where they don't feel like they really have to make a decision. In other words, I've got this thing going on one side, this thing going on the other side. I know that both sides may be not totally happy with this, but because because it at least has some degree of comfort, nobody's demanding any changes right now. I can live in this valley for a while. That's what we're talking about, about the valley. And you agree with that, correct? That we described the valley that way? That's correct. All right. And and when uh, Aiden talks about the pies, that's something we teach. It has to do with the P is physical, I intellectual, E emotional, S spiritual. So physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. We talk about people improving themselves and growing and developing in all those areas, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, taking care of your heart, and taking care of your soul, doing those kinds of things. And and I know that you know all this, Aiden. I'm just saying this for the people who are listening. He's saying he's been working on the pies and particularly focusing on the E, the emotional, which is... I'm, I'm doing things that I know will evoke emotions within my wife that she enjoys feeling. And then and I'm summarizing it, and we'll get, finally get to your question. I'm just trying to make sure that everybody else listening understands it. What you're saying is, okay, I'm doing that, but I don't feel like I'm gaining any ground. And so now do I start making some demands that she is going to view as controlling? Now, did I summarize that correctly, or is there anything we need to change about that? Um, in a way, yes, but if you could just change how I feel like I'm taking three steps forward and two back, but Mm -hmm. it just seems I'm not getting anywhere in the long run. I mean, you can take three steps forward and two steps back, but if you keep going through that pattern, it's just, um, it gets frustrating, but in the sense that I know that my motives are correct, I'm not doing it for, for the wrong reasons. I'm doing it for the right reasons. And how long right. do you allow them to sit in that valley when it just, I feel like I'm being controlled. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Now, I'm, I'm not going to try to put too much emphasis on what you just said, but you see, in okay. my mind, if you really are taking three steps forward, but only two steps back, then you've, you've, you've made a step progress. You understand? Right. And, and so you may want to phrase it a different way, but if you really are gaining a little progress, that is hopeful to me. You feel you're being controlled, and I'm, I'm assuming what you mean by that is because she doesn't feel like she has to do anything. She can stay in the valley, and so you feel like, in a sense, you're being taken advantage of, correct? Right. Like, that's correct. Can okay. I give you a perfect example? Yes, Maybe please. Maybe illustrate it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend, they went on a trip to Phoenix, and... I kind of had to just sit back and take it. And, and I wasn't going to allow my emotions. What I really wanted to say was, I can't believe you're going to do that. Instead, I just said, be careful. And, you know, I hope one day we can take trips like that. You know, kind of like um, you teach us. And, right. and it, uh, But I still feel, I mean, I was stuck with the kids. And then right. I feel like oh, I'm enabling. And it's just like, but I don't want to send a negative vibe because I'm trying to be that the emotional part. I'm trying to 
set an atmosphere where she says, you know what, I'm not really, I don't really, she's, I'm not really a safe place for her, but I, I feel if I react negatively, like, I'm not going to watch the kids while you're gone having a mm-hmm. weekend with your lover. Right. But if I do that, I feel like, man, I'm not even a safe place yet. I'm barely starting to do that. Now less she's going to do that. So I feel like, where's that fine line where I have to say, like, you know what, like, I want to mm-hmm. be a safe place and I want to make an atmosphere for reconciliation, but if she doesn't allow me and then she just keeps doing things that, and then she came right. back today and said, I love you. She texted me in the morning. I love you. I hope you have a great day. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the two steps. That's the three steps forward. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I, I, I do not blame you for your frustrations, my friend. Here is the rule of thumb that I use. You can accept or reject, and that's this. Okay. You know, probably some people are listening to us saying, well, don't let her go at all. You just say, I'm not going to enable that, to use the word you said. I'm not going to aid and abet that. That's not going to happen. And, uh, of course, a person can make that decision. Here's the rule of thumb I use about when to make that decision. Now, it's, it's, it's more of an art than a science, so listen carefully. That would be... <laughs> When, when the behavior becomes, when it gets to the point where you can't handle it anymore emotionally or spiritually mm-hmm. or mentally, in other words, now this is destructive to me. I'm trying to be understanding. I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to do this a little bit one at a time so you can feel safe where you're not feeling that I'm demanding and controlling. But there comes a time for everybody when you finally reach the point of saying, I can't do that anymore because this is destroying me. Now, it's mm-hmm. not just you. Sometimes it's like this is destroying our children. Or actually what I'm seeing happening to you is it's destroying you. So it can be either it's become destructive to me, to our children, because I know you have children, or to the other right. person. And whenever you decide, and, and I can't give you like, boy, this is the second you can know that. Like I said, it's more of an art than a science. But when you come to the realization in your heart, I can't handle this anymore, that destructive behavior is, is so bad for me or my kids or even her, it's now time to draw the line in the sand. And that's when you try not to do it harshly. I mean, you understand all about being the safe place. You try not to do it harshly, but that's when you say pretty emphatically, you know, I understand you've got this deep emotional connection with this other person. I understand that. But at the same time, you must understand that there's only so much that I can live with and I can't handle being here for you and taking care of the kids so that you can go off and spend a weekend with this other person. I can't do that. Therefore, no, I won't. And if you choose to do that, if you choose to go ahead and go spend the weekend with her, knowing that I no longer can handle this, that, that I've drawn my land in the sand, this is the end of it. Then these are the consequences I'm going to have to bring about. Now those consequences can be whatever you decide. It can be something like, uh, I'm going to get my attorney, and I'm going to start going for uh, full custody of the kids, if that's what you want to do. Or I'm going to get my attorney, and I'm going to start filing some things for financial reasons. And I'm going to do that not because I've quit loving you. And I still, and I do understand this emotional connection you had to this other person. is something you can't just instantly click and make go away. I get that. But I have reached my point. And now that I've reached my point, I've got to tell you, these are going to be the boundaries. This is the boundary. And if you do that again, this is going to be the consequence. And it's not because I don't love you. It's because I do. But you must understand every person reaches his or her limit. And I have reached mine. Now, it sounds to me like you're pretty close to that. Is that right? No, actually, I'm sorry I gave that impression. I'm actually, I do, I feel really strong. I'm just kind of tired. I worked 16 hours yesterday. But uh-huh. I will tell you that um, I'm a lot stronger than, I know I sound, it doesn't sound like that, but I'm not anywhere near that point, but I just, I just feel such a great topic tonight on being controlled because I feel like indirectly I'm being controlled, but uh, I really wish we could have another show of Petra and Richard because that's a great example of strength and I can do that. I can do this. Petra and and Richard are uh, excellent. And, and when they were on the last time I asked them if they would come back and they will, we'll line that up before too long. And, and yes, they do have an interesting story, particularly because Petra stood so long. I mean, I think it's like four years, if I remember correctly, but she stood so long. Even she 
had her frustrations. You would have to understand that, right? <laughs> and things where she'd yeah. say, I don't know that I can do this one more day. I think I may have to do this or I may have to do that. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak to that because that's their story, not mine. But I'm telling you that, right. that as strong as Petra was and is, and we'll have a one again soon to tell a story. She had these same frustrations, Aiden, where it was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I think I may have to make this decision or make that decision. And everybody does. I remember you well from a workshop where you guys were, and I am very impressed with you. And I know that you are a strong guy. Now, the decision, though, is not just about whether it's destructive behavior to you, but also you need to be thinking in terms of is it destructive behavior to our children? And then finally, is it is it destructive behavior for her? And, and right. so it's not always you. It sometimes can be the kids or even her where you think, boy, you know, this is going to go bad. Do I blame you for feeling controlled? No. Are you being controlled? Actually, you're not being controlled. You're allowing these things to happen because you could choose to do something about it. But I understand why you're saying it feels like being controlled. It's because you want to save the marriage. You're actually, mm-hmm. actually uh, tolerating some things that most people would never tolerate. And yes, I understand why that feels controlled. But if you think about it, that's not really you being controlled because you are the one making decisions to tolerate that. You, whenever you're ready, you can change that. I admire the fact that right. you're as strong as you are. And I do hope and pray that she comes out of that valley and that you get not only more text saying I love you, but that she can find her way out of that emotional uh, a trap that she's in with this other person and come back home because I know having met both of you and spent three days with you, I know this could make a very good marriage if indeed she can get past that. So I don't blame you, yeah. bud. Really? You're not being controlled because you actually the one making decision to allow it. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Well, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That's a, that is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I think putting my foot down right now won't change anything. In the long run, the 10, 10, it may 10 not. it's not going to change anything. It may not. Uh, I can't remember how long she's been involved in this. Uh, do you, How long has she been involved in this other thing? She told me October 25th. So it's, we're going on six months. Okay, so it's still relatively new. If you're, if you're trying to wait it out, you do realize mm-hmm. that it, it being, you do realize that it, this being this new, that the wait out could be another couple of years. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm not saying it will, but you understand with it being this new, if that's your plan to wait it out and continue to show our love and patience in that time, it could be a very long haul, my friend. I understand, but I have a lot of faith and I know that, man, God forgives me every day and I'm horrible sometimes and I'm trying to do that agape love. Why I am going to do it, that unconditional love, but the same way Christ loved the church is the same way I need to love my wife and honor her, but I just... Uh, it's it's really hard, Joe, sometimes, but I know oh, I, I know can do it. it. I, I know I can. You can. You can. And I do believe that at heart, your wife is a good woman. I do believe at heart she is. What she's doing is not good. But I think who she is down inside herself is a good person. And I join my prayers to you, my friend, that, that uh, this thing comes to an end and you guys put this Thank marriage you. back together. So I understand. I understand your frustrations. If ever you reach that point and you think you're, okay, this is it. I'm going to draw the, the line. I'm going to do what I'm doing. If you have any hesitation, mm-hmm. you call me then, my friend, and we'll talk. But your motives, your motives are good, young man. Don't doubt your motives. And I am in awe of your patience and your love. I really am. Thanks, Joe. All right. You have a good evening, my friend. May God be with you. Okay. okay? God bless you. Thank you. Okay. That is one good man. He and his wife came to one of our three-day intensive workshops for marriages in crisis. If you want to know about those, you can go to marriagehelper.com. That's marriage, help, E-R, marriagehelper.com. And you can find out there about our 911 workshop that they attended. Having been with them those three days and seeing who they are at heart, and, and particularly, as you just heard, this man of amazing strength, I, I still hold out hope that that one's going to make it. I really, truly do. Okay, we're going to another area code now. Another call, area code 513. Hello, 513. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. This is Nicole. Hi, Nicole. How are you? I'm good. How are you tonight? I am rocking and bopping. How can I help you this evening? (laughs) 
Um, Joe, I just um, am looking for some advice. Um, I'm in kind of a difficult situation. Um, me and my husband are both um, active duty uh, Air Force, mm-hmm. and um, we have been married for just under two years, mm-hmm. and um, he has been on two deployments during our marriage. Um, he's been gone for a total of about nine months. Um and on his second deployment, which was about six months ago, um, he told me that he wanted a divorce. Um, I don't think there's any affair or anything like that going on, um, but there has been issues of, um, like your topic tonight, controlling. He's putting pressure to try to control the situation and control the money to better himself and get whatever way he's trying to achieve. And um, I, the more things that I do that make him realize that, you know, he can't get away with, you know, not paying our mortgage or not paying the credit cards, he Mm -hmm. um, gets angry (laughs) and takes it off. Let me make sure. I'm sure I understand here that when you call him to accountability, he doesn't like that. And that's why he wants out of the marriage. Is that what you're saying? Um, that's not why he wants out of the marriage, but that is making him angry. Um, we are actually in counseling right now. And he claims the reason why he wants out of the marriage is because um, he was unhappy and he was unhappy because he felt like he could never do anything correctly and by that he was referring to things around the house like doing housework and chores and stuff like that so he feels that you are critical are you um and that's the funny thing um he says that and it confuses me because um it's not like he was you know doing housework and i said no that's not good enough he just wasn't helping me and I felt like all the burden was put on me and I Mm -hmm. would repeatedly ask him please help me I feel like I'm drowning and Mm -hmm. he wouldn't he just wouldn't help okay am I correct to assume that you and he are kind of different personalities would that be a, a valid assumption um in some ways yes okay so for example um when you make a decision do you tend to think about it a long time first or tend to make decisions pretty quickly? Which way? I think about it for a long time. Okay. When, if he was going to make a decision, does he tend to think about it a long time or do it pretty quickly? Uh, he's kind of the spur of the moment type person. So he will right. just make a decision and just go. <laughs> okay. So he's more impulsive and, and he's a, is he the kind of person that people, uh, very shortly after meeting him, they feel like they know him, like he's just really open and gregarious and friendly. Is he that kind of person, or is he more standoffish? Oh, yeah. He's very friendly, very outgoing. Okay. And are you a little bit standoffish, a little bit cool when you don't know people, a little bit more difficult to get to know, or are you warm and friendly and easy to get to know right off the bat? Um, I'm a little bit more standoffish. Um, I'm definitely okay. an introvert, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, obviously, what I just asked, those are all very brief, and that doesn't give me a tremendous amount of insight, but it does kind of give me a little insight. And, and the way we deal with people, we would call you, and, and, and by the way, these terms are not negative. They're just classifications we use, okay? So don't hear anything negative in it. We'd call you a calculator. A calculator is a person who's a little cool and standoffish and tends to be very logical, very analytical, tends to think things through very well. And, and tends to process a lot. They tend to plan. And so, for example, if, if you get into a situation with a problem, rather than dealing with it immediately, you'll tend to think it through more carefully. And he uh, is what we would call a communicator, which is a person who's very warm and friendly and gregarious and personable, but they also tend to be very impulsive. And people mm-hmm. who are um, calculators like you it tends to be extremely important to those people that things are done correctly. I mean, this is the way it should be done. Therefore it, we need to do it that way. Whereas communicators are people who are a whole lot more about wanting to feel liked. 
Like, I, w- I want to know that you like me. And therefore, communicators are people who tend to hear criticism as being much more intense than often it is. In other words, they don't just hear, like, okay, I'm, I'm not happy because you're not helping me. What, what they'll tend to hear is, I'm not happy because you don't have enough character and integrity to, to help me. In other words, they tend to hear it as a very personal attack. Do you think he is that kind of person? Um, I would agree, yeah. I, I think okay. he's, like you said, taking it um, a step further than what I'm meaning it to be. Right, right. Now, in a situation like that, because a person in his situation tends to be more impulsive, there are the ones who are more likely to forget to pay the mortgage or skip the mortgage because something else comes up that's more important in their mind. Whereas to you, it's like, wow, we owe that. That's due on this date. That's got to be paid on this date. And if it's not paid on that date, you get really bent out of shape about it, right? Yes. Okay. So you are exact opposites when it comes to those kind of personalities. That does not mean that you can't have a good marriage. Actually, you can. But part of what's going on here, and if, if you find a way to salvage a marriage, part of what you are going to have to be able to do is to understand each other's language, if you'll let me say it that way, where that you would stop before you said something to him and think, okay, how is he going to hear this? So therefore, let me phrase it in such a way where he's going to hear what I'm really trying to say rather than hearing it as a personal criticism and reacting and get bent out of shape and those kinds of things. So my guess is, not knowing any more than I know, I'm guessing obviously, but my guess is that he feels you don't really like him and therefore you don't really love him and feels that you don't really respect him. Would that probably be right in what he feels? Um, That's probably the best guess that I could come up with. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what it sounds like to me based on what you're saying. Interestingly, those are the three main reasons that people want a divorce. I don't feel like you respect me. I don't feel like you like me. I don't feel like you love me. So part of what can happen in your situation, if indeed you know, he's willing to do it and you're willing to do it. And you sound to me like you're extremely intelligent. So you can do it if you choose to is to learn more about how do I speak to him in a way where he's not hearing it as an attack because that's not what I'm meaning to do. That's not what I'm meaning to say, but how can I find a way to communicate to him differently where he doesn't feel rejected? He doesn't feel disrespected. He doesn't feel disliked, et cetera. And if you guys could change that communication pattern, you probably can turn this thing around. I mean, I've seen that happen a ton of times. People are exactly in your situation that if they can start learning how to speak each other's language, turn things around. Now, there'll still be some things you've got to figure out how to do. For example, you're not going to be able to live with it if he forgets to pay the mortgage. That's just going to blow you out of the water. That's not going to work. So there's things that you will have to actually figure out how to do with each other. But basically what's going on with the two of you has to do with, at least from what I'm hearing, Okay, has to do with personalities. I hear this one as being extremely salvageable. Now, I don't know anything about your counselor. Therefore, I don't know if he or she is an expert in these kinds of things. Uh, In our workshop, and I'm not trying to get you to leave your counselor for our workshop. Please don't hear that. But in our workshop, we, we spend time on this, testing people, showing them what they are, showing them how they're communicating with each other and how they can turn that around and fix that. So in the short, short answer, and I'm sorry, I've rambled so long here. I apologize. The short answer would be, if you can find a different way to communicate with each other, you can probably fix this. He always is going to be the kind of person who is going to feel controlled unless you can figure out how to communicate to him in a way that you're not trying to control him. You're just trying to get things done the right way, but without, without his feeling disrespected in the process. And that's a doable thing. I can't explain it all here in five minutes, but that's a doable thing. That makes sense. Um, I've been trying to work on how I say things to him um, for him to understand um, without feeling hurt. Um, But it's really hard because he doesn't um, tell me what he's feeling or thinking. And it kind of leaves me clueless. Right. And and that's so frustrating, and isn't it? Really, it yeah. is. And I don't really know where to go from here. Um, you know, he's he's pushing this divorce and it's um he's agreed to go to counseling and for the past month or so he's wanted to come and spend time with me and 
mm-hmm. be intimate with me and show me affection. And then I question, you know, what what are we doing? And he just, I don't know, and just freaks out and runs away. Yeah, yeah you operated off logic. He was operating off emotions. And, and what he heard in all likelihood was that, you were questioning his motives or, or it was because he was trying to do something from an emotional standpoint. He reacted negatively because you responded from a logical standpoint. I really wish you guys could come to one of our workshops. I really do. I, I think what we do and forgive me if this sounds like a commercial, I surely don't mean for it to, but I, I think, I think spending three days with us, we could help you guys turn this thing completely around. Now I'm not trying to take you away from your counselor. Maybe he or she is outstanding. But even in that case you just mentioned, it really has to do with personalities. He came from an emotional standpoint, you responded from a logical standpoint, and it blew him out of the water because what he wanted was an emotional response. And, I mean, that's who you are. I'm not asking you to become somebody different, but somebody's going to have to help you guys learn how to communicate in, in a different fashion, and this is highly fixable. Trust me, it is. If you get with the right people, this can be turned around in three days. It really can. Now, I can't guarantee that, obviously. I'm not God. But based on my experience with so many couples, this is, this is something that can be fixed um, with just a little bit of education about some particular things. I really believe so. I completely agree. And I would love for us to go to your workshop and just trying to get him to agree to any of that or to listen mm-hmm. to myself is, is the hard part. Okay, I have a suggestion then. Um, this thing will be available on marriageradio.com beginning tomorrow, and after that, it'll be on iTunes. You can go to iTunes and subscribe free to Marriage Radio with Joe Beam. Go download it, either tomorrow off Marriage Radio or later off iTunes. Download the thing, listen to it, and then decide whether or not you want to play him this section where I was talking about those things, asking you questions about him and questions about you, just play that section for him and say, does this guy sound like he knows enough that, that we can find help to potentially work this out? And maybe, just maybe, because he'll hear somebody describing him, he'll go, hey, I think this guy gets it. Yeah, let's go to them or somebody you know, who knows how to do this stuff. And, and maybe it will be enough to, maybe it'll kind of move him over the edge to seek help is what I'm saying. Your choice. I mean, uh, you do I what you think is best. So. I'm sorry? Uh, I truly hope so. He's so just, you know, straightforward saying, you know, he's made this decision and he's not going to go back on the decision because he made this decision. He's just going to stick with it. Yeah. Well, it's both that's what he feels today. That. <laughs> that's what he feels today. Just, just a suggestion. Just try. If you think it's wise. I mean, download this thing later, play that one little section for him, and ask him what he thinks, if you think that'll work out well. I'm not telling you what to do, just making a suggestion, okay? But I, and, and I just, I would really have a lot of hope for you guys, I really would, if you can get the right kind of help on this thing. Okay, Nicole? Right, I appreciate that. All right, you take care of yourself. Thank you for calling, all right? And now we're going to go to area code 360. Hello, 360, you're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. This is Annie. How are you tonight? Catch me at the right time. I'm fantastic. <laughs> okay. I think I understand what that means. How can I help you this evening? Um, I found out my husband had been in an affair um, back in October of 2012, and I don't know if he's had more than one. Um, he said at one point he knew what he did was wrong, but he's never really apologized. Mm-hmm. My kids are grown. We just had a, we just had our 40th anniversary, and it certainly wasn't a celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, he's starting to come around where he's being nice and bringing him flowers, and, mm-hmm. and he works out, out of town a lot, and he even invited me to go with him this last time, but I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has a problem communicating with me. We've mm-hmm. always had that problem. Um, I'm an extrovert and he's an introvert, and I work at not hurting his feelings because I love him. He's a great man, just doing mm-hmm. something really stupid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's still kind of secretly texting, and and there's money that still I don't know where it's going. Um, mm. We've we've always had a challenge financially. Um, we just had a, a bankruptcy last year, so you know things that haven't been that whole financially, but he's worked his tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've worked at supporting him. Grown. Uh, my youngest is um, in his, well, he's 20. Mm-hmm. Um, the next son is, is 30. And not all the kids know. I have four kids. And the two oldest, well, no, the oldest son and the oldest daughter know. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is, is tearing my son apart. He, he okay. just he just he doesn't he's at the point where he doesn't even want to work with his dad and they always used to work really close together. Right. So how can and, I help you? I've been working on my pies. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just feel like like giving up, but I don't want to because I still love him. Mm-hmm. Um I'm reading two of your books. Um I'm trying to save up for the 911 workshop because I know that'll help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering what other material might be helpful for me so I can get up that money. I, I did tell okay. him about the 911 workshop, mm-hmm. and he didn't sound um, negative about it. But that's good. It's an issue. We'll we'll have to you know we'll just have to save it up. Well, but, yeah, or, you know, if, if if money's an issue, we'll try our best to work with you. By any chance, are you in the uh, online program called Save My Marriage? Um, no, I haven't had the money for that yet either. Okay. That's the uh, program for, for $400, right? Yes, it's, it's $399, and it's, it's a 10-week-long online program, lots of videos, lots of teaching. Okay. Every, week, every week there's a coaching call where you can actually call in. I mean, where actually you don't call in. You come in on your computer, and we do a coaching call every week for 10 weeks. And, and once you uh, become a part of that course, you have lifetime membership. I mean, you can come back in. You can come back to those coaching calls, for example, go back to those videos as long as you live or until the Internet dies, one or the other. Okay. And, and yeah. as, part of, as part of that, you get access to some videos for your husband that, uh, for him to watch if, if he chooses to do so. The good news about that is that if, if after the, the, you go to the 10-week course, if you decide that you want to come to the workshop, we actually deduct that off the price of the workshop, which means you end up getting that for free. Okay. Uh, And, and, and so we do all that. We also have payment plans for people who are not doing well financially. We never, we never want to turn anybody away for lack of money. We want to work with people as much as we possibly can. And uh, I can actually give you a telephone number here in just a minute. If you wish, if you've got something to write with that, if you call tomorrow, Okay, you got something to write with? I'll give it to you now. The telephone number is 615-472-1161. So that's 615-472-1161. Now, if you call it tomorrow, ask for Johnny and tell Johnny that that, uh, we talked and that you want to get into the 10-week course, but that money's a problem right now, and that I promised you that he would work something out with you where that can work. How about that? In the meantime, I'll try to get a message to him myself uh, before you actually call him. And and uh, we'll do what we need to do to help you get in that 10-week course. Okay, that's step one. Because it can give you a lot more information there in those 10 weeks of material than I can possibly give you here. And I think you'll find a lot of hope and comfort in it. And it'll, it'll give you a whole lot of neat things that you can both understand about what's going on, but also things that you can do. And uh, I think you'll find it extremely valuable. So would you at least do me a favor and call Johnny tomorrow and ask him about it? Um, yes, I talked to him about the 911 workshop, and, and he told me about that. I haven't talked to him about the other one. Um, yeah, we'll talk, I've been talk listening to, to your mm-hmm. website or looking, listening to stuff and, and, and trying to delve into what I can on your website for the last year and a half. 
And I really appreciate all that information. I still get, I still get down and I'm not a down person and I hate being like that. Well, I'm so, so sorry for your pain. And I'm glad you found all the re- free resources. We offer tons of resources like this program for free. We, we aren't out to gouge people. We do have to charge for some of our services or else we go out of business. But, but we do as much for free as we possibly can. And if you talk to him about that, that, that particular program, it's called Save My Marriage. Or if you can't remember that, the 10-week online course. I know that we have payment plans on that. I know that he'll work with you. He'll help you figure it out. And, and like I said, then if you ever come to the workshop, you, you, you just deduct that money right off the workshop. Unfortunately, I'm out of right. time t- tonight. So if you don't mind, please call Johnny tomorrow. Will you, will you promise me you'll call him and talk to him about sure. that course tomorrow? Okay, good. Sure, I well, appreciate it. And, and thank okay. you for everything you've put online. I truly appreciate it for not just for me, but everybody else out there that's hurting it. And they're trying well, and they don't know what to do. Yeah, I'm 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 so very sorry for your pain and and thank you for your kind words. We do care. We do want to help. Unfortunately, I'm out of time tonight, so I have to go. But you talk to Johnny tomorrow, and I'll get a message to him in the meantime. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Joe. All right, you have a good evening. And for all of you there, I am six minutes over time, so I'm out for tonight. Lord willing, I'll be back here next week. If you have particular topics that you want us to discuss. Please send those to us at Ask Joe. That's A S K J O E. Ask Joe at Marriage Helper. That's MarriageHelper.com. Say, hey, can you do a program on this or do a program on that? Until then, may God be with you.